A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Insane in the Membrane. It's Christmas time. We did that last time, didn't we? It's Christmas. Well, I've got to be honest, uh, it's, a, it's a weird one, isn't it, Christmas? It's a weird one this year. Who knows what's going on? We're not allowed to see each other. Santa can't even come. How mad is that? But, um, you know, I don't know. Let's We'll stay in touch with each other. That's all we can do via the airwaves. And then uh, hopefully this, this will pass and we'll be out the other side before you know it. Um, a bit, and as I, I'm saying this actually, there's a lot of people are saying uh, put the, uh, they're putting out uh, you know the phone numbers of Samaritans and things like that, and you know anyone that's on their own at Christmas don't feel that there's no one to turn to. And I'm going to put this out there. You can drop me a line, drop me a message. I'm on Instagram. I am at, I am Rich Wilson. We've got uh, at Membrane Podcast. Uh, Twitter as well. I am Rich Wilson. Drop me a message if you're if you're feeling a bit a bit shitty. And uh, I have no answers. I have no cures. I have no I have no advice. But you know we'll have a chat and uh, we'll make ourselves feel better. Um, so there we are. Do that. It, you know you're not alone. You are not alone. So on to this week's guest. Um, a controversial one this week. I wanted to get him on because um, he's 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 building up a head of steam. Uh, with a, a bid for the Christmas number one, which, um, it, it's how best to describe? It's he's a character. It's a comedy character, and people like Stuart Lee, Charlie Brooker, Nick Helm um, have got behind him, and they're he's, they're they're sending his song, Boris Johnson is a cunt, up the charts, and uh, and even even uh, even even cunt from Cunt and the Gang is surprised at how well it's done, and he's now. And I just wanted to get him on and have a chat with him. Um, his stuff, his music, is offensive, uh, and it, it, there's no getting around it. You couldn't, like I even say this in the episode, you couldn't play this to your to your nan. She'd be deeply offended. But the thing is, there are new, there's nuance to it, and there is there is uh, it's ironic as well. There's irony attached to it all, um, and, and he's 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 not he's not bigging up the things that he sings about. He's, taking the piss out of some horrendous things because that's how a lot of times how we deal with stuff is by you know we can all sit down and we can all talk about things that have gone on in our lives and bad shit has gone on but sometimes you need humor as well and a lot of people use humor uh to deal with awfulness and that's what cunt and their gang does and once getting on this now i'm going to tell you now there will be some things discussed like we normally do but this is a like i say i'm talking to a comedy character 
and it's you know there might be some things that, that we talk about that might be uh, offensive but I'm giving you the warning now. I wanted to talk to him uh, because I want because I wanted to see what was going on with this, with all the stuff that's going on with the Christmas number one. And you know, so it's a bit of a departure for us. You know, I, I try another. I know I swear a little bit, and my you know my language is colourful in other episodes, but this one might be it might it might be near the mark for a lot of people. And uh, like I say the character himself might be a bit too much for some people. So tread very carefully is what I'm saying when you go and if you listen to this and you go and have a look for the music just I'm just giving you the heads up alright um, I see the nuance and the, and the irony in it and some, but some people won't and I'm not saying I'm better than you and all that sort of shit I'm just saying that's what I see other people might not they might just go that is disgraceful and disgusting and I don't know why you've had him on so I'm just giving you the heads up now just wanted to have him on and have a chat with him about what's happening so You've been warned. You've been warned. You've been warned. Don't worry about that. And uh, yeah, so coming up in a minute, cunt and the gang. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. So, a reminder that this interview is with a comedy character. Some people might be offended. They might get offended by what what gets said. Or if you go investigating, you might be offended by some of the things you find. I'm just giving you a heads up. So here we go. Cunting again. Hello. Hello. Thank you for, for your patience. Oh, that, that's all right. No worries. Uh, I fucking hate technical stuff. I'm fucking terrible at it. And this thing is, I was doing something last night and someone went, oh, you just got to click this thing. And I'm like, oh, what, what do you mean? Hold on a minute. They went, oh, come on, granddad. I'm like, hold on. I've not done this before. If I gave you a combine harvester and I went, yeah, I'll drive that, you wouldn't be able to do that either. So why don't you pipe down? <laughs> No, this is the thing. It's like it just makes you feel really fucking old and out of touch, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm and I'm not. I'm fucking not. <laughs> but the problem is, right? I was fine with everything, but I was fine everything with everything about seventeen or eighteen years ago, and then they changed it. <laughs> and every time I get fine with it, they just fucking change it again. Why can't they just keep things the same? It was all working fine with tapes, wasn't it? And then all, all these. 
It's bollocks, isn't it? I know. Well, you get settled and you go, yeah, that'll do. That's enough. We don't need any more. And they go, oh, you need this now. This will improve your life. And it doesn't. It just gets in the way and causes heartache. No, I don't want to keep updating my operating system. I'm all right with that one. <laughs> it's fucking bollocks. Oh, it's, he's, he's bollocks. Like, where'd you get time to do all that in amongst everything else? Like, fuck's sake. I know, the world's on fire. Now I've got to update me fucking laptop. <laughs> I've got to, you know, there's people trying to get over here in a dinghy and you're, you're telling me I've now got to update all my equipment because you've decided it's obsolete. Go fuck yourself. No, but it's, it's, it's where all the money comes from nowadays, isn't it? it is. This is the trouble. It is, it is. Thank you for coming on. It's a real, I know you're a busy man. I'm oh, so fucking, so fucking busy. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I was sort of sitting around having a mince pie this morning, thinking to myself, God, I'm really fucking busy, I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've got, your, you've got your music going on. There's a bid to make you the Christmas number one. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it, last couple of weeks have been quite busy. Like you, you know, but it's the the thing is, a lot of people when when they see me, they think the guy's a graceful swan. <laughs> but what they don't realise is there's a lot of paddling goes on under the water to give that appearance. You know, I get it. Yeah. Uh, and um, when like you know when when you do something like a uh, you know when when you upload anything and then try and get people to buy it, there's a million fucking shit admin jobs before you can get to the good bit of everyone hearing the music, you know, and uh, and it's just, yeah, it's just loads of kind of crap things that I wish I could, uh, you know, I, I sort of wish I could palm it off on someone else. But unfortunately, do you know, uh, yeah. I, I don't know, I think, I think because I'm a control freak, you yeah. want to, you, you want to, you want someone else to do all the work for you, but then you'd be stood over their shoulder going, well, they're not quite doing it how I do it. Yes, exactly. And you're a perfectionist. I've heard your music. You know, you, you know, you know, you know what you want. I know you've come to that conclusion, but you know. <laughs> I was listening to it on the train and I'm like, right, right, you can't listen to this out loud. What I like though is the honesty. There's an honesty to your music. Well, this, yeah. You know, and I, that's, that's what, that's what I love about it. I first came aware, became aware of you in Edinburgh a couple of years ago when you were, there was stickers appearing on other people's posters. Oh, right. Yeah. It's nearly 10 years ago now. Is it 10 years? Fuck off. 10 years next year, yeah. Fuck me. I thought it was like a couple of years ago. No, t 2011. So so were you one of, were you one of the angry ones that got a sticker on their poster, kind of like fish shaking and <laughs> wait wait till I get my hands on him? No, I didn't have a show. I was I was up there wandering around and just I heard I heard all the all the stories going, who's this cunt? Who's this fucking cunt ruining my poster? <laughs> and I'm like, I like him. I like him. Ruin all the posters. I, I had a couple of um because I, I I didn't really I don't really do all the fucking schmoozing and uh, uh, and all that and I had a couple of mates who who had shows on up there and they just kept overhearing people in the bars going if I get my fucking hands on him you know and and uh, yeah it was it <laughs> people were really I didn't realise how angry it was going to make people I didn't really think it through no it was just it was just you were doing your thing. I just thought everyone would think it was a big jolly jape just seeing all these cocks appear everywhere for the month. But then, you know, then you, I, I don't think I thought, you know, that people had spent hundreds of pounds getting these great big glossy posters of their faces on these poster sites. 
and that they wouldn't be amused by seeing a penis stuck next to their face. <laughs> but I tell you what's happened though, because off, I think off the back of that, I think you're a pioneer because now I know now having shows up there myself and speaking to people, people try to make their posters doodle proof or cock proof, or they go, they're aware now that something could happen to it. So I think you, I think you were like the, you were like the, the start for all that. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. I have to say that that particular year. There was people bending over. There was people with their mouths open. There was people with their hands like clasped down by their groin. You just like this is fucking you know pennies Crying from out. heaven. This is <laughs> yeah. Get a cock on it. Get a cock on it. <laughs> but now I've I've had it, it's people are so aware of it. I was I'm not name dropping here, but I was talking to Rob Beckett a little while ago, and he was saying like he goes he goes I can't believe how stupid I was. Like his first poster was him licking an ice cream. let's ask him for it isn't it yeah (laughs) so you know i think what you've done you've created you've made people aware you got to make sure that their posters are doodle proof or at least you know be more aware what you're putting out there well i say it's nice that i've ruined the you know the naive (laughs) charm of getting a poster a poster designed for edinburgh and made everyone paranoid about you know a big stiffy being stuck next to their face <laughs> but then saying that now i've now i've spoken to you and it was like you say it's nearly 10 years ago that now and now i like well every new people that weren't aware of that that guerrilla warfare that was going on that art that was happening you were like the the banksy of like with the with your penises running around <laughs> whacking them all over the place wanksy <laughs> <laughs> see and i call myself a comedian <laughs> but um it I've, you know, I've, I stuck, I stuck a few of them about, but the majority of them was because um, you know every year when when you go up and do Edinburgh, the standard thing is you get five thousand flyers printed. Yeah. That that you know for the first couple of days you go and fly, you know, flyer people stood in queues and that, and then it just becomes really fucking dispiriting, and you end up kind of just just not bothering. No one comes to your shows, and then you go home with like three and a half thousand flyers in a box, or you just <laughs> have to kind of stick them in a recycling site. Yeah. And um, I just thought, oh, do you know what? I cannot be fucking going out and doing all that flyering again because I'm not, I'm not the most social bloke. And so kind of going up to people and cold calling them with a flyer, you know, especially because because it's called Cunt and the Gang, like you have to kind of try and spot people you think are going to like it. And yeah. it's, I find that quite hard because, you know, when, when you sort of look out at a typical audience in the gigs, you can't really second guess who's, who's going to like it because – it, you know, the people that like it, like it. They might be old, they might be young. But, I mean, like, the YouTube stats say they're predominantly 95% male. Right. Um, but I just think that's because, you know, the right women haven't heard it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think it's – I think – I because th- I've, I've played it to a few people and they've gone, what the fuck is this? I'm like, this is this is the future. And they, <laughs> and they go, you're right. You're fucking right. Cunt of the gang is the future. I like the humour. I like the songs. I think it's great. But you can play it at a wedding or a or a funeral. We could play it at a funeral, maybe. I did have I did have someone uh, say that they played it. They played it at their mate's funeral. Uh, was it last year? Oh right. Um, I'm trying to think what song it was. Whether it was it was either it was one of the worst ones. Yeah. So where'd you get your inspiration from? Um, it sort of started off. Um, I've, I've sort of always done this, like, since I was a kid, just, you know, like, changed the words to songs and just, like, written silly written silly songs about things. And our, our mutual mate, um, Stu... Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we were in a band together called Serious Problem, and so we'd just write these, you know, write these kind of just, just silly songs, really, uh, when we was, like, teenagers. And then from that, just kind of, you know, uh, 
home recording. You know, I met a mate who kind of did home recording and so like, I just started making my own songs just on little keyboards and stuff. Then the internet came along and I, I was sort of writing about, you, you know, like if, if you sort of go down the pub with a group of mates, the kind of stuff that gets said that you wouldn't necessarily talk about at work or in yeah. polite conversation, like you know, things like washing washing your knob before you go out on the pool and, and just, just silly things like that because uh, it sort of felt like no one had really set them kind of things to music. And so that was where, that was where it kind of started, Cunton again kind of started off, was just these little slice of life things that not everyone necessarily talked about in polite conversation and just, yeah, just putting them to music. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you mean these things you're saying. You're just, you're just trying to make everybody laugh by saying the most heinous thing. That, that's right. I mean, and, you know, and something we've, we've always done is deliberately taking a standpoint that's going to cause an argument, you know, yeah. whether you whether you actually mean that or not. And once you've taken that standpoint, you have to kind of see it through and you find yourself arguing with something that you completely fucking disagree with, you know, on every other night of the year. But because you've taken this ridiculous standpoint, you have to kind of stand by it. And, you know, that's, what, that's all part of sort of being out and with your mates and having a drink and having a laugh and letting go, you know, it's just kind of arguing and bickering. Yeah. Because you know, it's all kind of done in good faith and good humour. And, of course, when you take one of these ridiculous samples, it gets brought up for fucking years afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because people take it at face value and they're not really listening. And at the moment, everybody seems so earnest as well. Everyone's got a everyone's virtue signalling, everyone's got a thing they want to show that they're doing. And what do you make of all that? I, I don't really... I mean, what, 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 I've, what I've always tried to do is just not worry about what everyone's up to and just and just do my own thing. And I've, I've kind of, I've sort of done that since I was a kid, really. Yeah. Like, you know, because uh, I've, I've, I've sort of, you know, and as I've kind of grown up, I realised, like, if you're looking at what other people have got and what other people are doing, you waste so much energy, you know, that, that you could just be, in, you know, channeling into doing your own creative things. And so I've always, like, just I've had a bit of sort of creative tunnel vision, I suppose. Just kind of get get into doing something myself, and then just yeah, do do as much of it as I can myself. Because the thing I like most is just you know sitting down in front of a computer and um, diddling around with little like you know like advert kind of melodies and coming yeah. up with ca- catchy melodies, then just putting some words to them, you know. And that's the thing I like doing most. And so I try and spend as much time as I can doing that. But unfortunately, like yeah, like I was saying, like. It's all the admin that surrounds it to get it out into the world yeah. that ends up taking your time and with social media and stuff, you know, it's it's um it's a bit of a time sapper. Yeah. In, you know, and, and it's a bit of a creativity killer because the more more time you spend kind of looking for affirmation on social media, the less time you spend actually creating the thing and doing the thing that you really love doing. Yeah, true, very true. But growing up with a name like Cunt, I mean, that must have been... It's like a boy named Sue. It must have yeah. been hard for you. It was It was hard. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a nickname and people have to find ways around, you know, like it's, it's very awkward, you know, at my nan's funeral and stuff when I gave the eulogy. Um, <laughs> you know, people find, it, people find ways around it, you know, call me Kay or whatever. Because me, um, me and my mate, um, Gels, have been doing these um like a series of picture books sort of aimed at kids and you know and adults that ain't really grown up and yeah. so i had to kind of adopt a pseudonym for for, for doing them uh yeah right of course yeah yeah because obviously you know 
probably if you've got the word cunt, even if it is spelt with a K, all over the front of a kid's book, it kind of is, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a... Yeah, that's an ambition killer, isn't it? Yeah, you're gonna you're kind of putting the, the yeah you're putting the brakes on that immediately, aren't you? Yeah, because you know yeah. Julia Donaldson, her name was actually Julia Minge, and she right. changed it. Yeah, right. Well, she she would have had to. I mean, yeah, again, you know, you got. That. I mean, because that I wanted it probably would have been the, the the best you know the best kids book going. They would have gone mad for it. But well, exactly. The the kids like it. Yeah. The the, the kids fucking love it. They the the kids are cunt this cunt that. They fucking love it. But it's you know it's it's the it's the fuddy duddy adults and it the exactly. snowflake adults. I can imagine when they when they see you in the street, you're running down the road behind you. It's like Ringo when he when he was running away from all the from all the all the Beatle fans, you know, and, yeah. you know, and they're shouting cunt at you, and you're like, oh, I got go, I can't I got to go, and yeah, it must be carnage for you whenever you go out. It's a popular misconception that it's me chasing kids because it's normally groups of kids chasing me. Yeah, exactly. You're getting, <laughs> you're getting groomed by children. <laughs> and that's a dark path to start getting into. Hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. This ain't a dark web kind of podcast, is it? <laughs> I've got a feeling this might be, though. This might be. <laughs> this is what I wanted, I wanted to talk to you because talking to you, you're a like-minded individual, cunt. For the last few years of gigging, you'd have people come up and say, oh, we, we're the same, me and you. And then just say the most, you know, the most horrendous fucking, <laughs> yeah. fucking thing. Like, uh, you know, like I'd, I'd given them a free pass to kind of, you know, uh, say the yeah, even say stuff. the worst thing, yeah, worst thing you could possibly think of. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. There's a comedian. People come up and they tell you the worst joke ever, and they go, yeah, and then there's that classic line. You can use that. They go, where? Where can I use that? <laughs> Except from a for a clam rally. Where can I use that? Are you fucking kidding? You know, it's uh, yeah. People have this weird, like you just said. People just assume, ah, he's going to want to hear this. <laughs> and yeah. You, and even you go, ah, fucking wish you hadn't said that. But you're, but that's the, that's the, that's a common misconception. It people miss when they listen to your stuff. They miss the the, the humour in it, the nuance. They somehow take it at face value. I can I can see why people would miss the humour and nuance because so when when I when I first started do, doing it, um, I did make a conscious decision that I was just going to swear as much as I could. Yeah. Um, you know, just just to the point where you didn't even notice it was swearing anymore. Um, you know, rather than kind of holding it back for a special occasion, I just, I just thought, do you know what, fuck it. If I want to say fuck it, I'll say fuck it. And so I never really held back, held back on anything. But I think that does kind of give people, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you sort of leave yourself with nowhere to go. Uh, yeah, in in a, in a way, and and I did. I especially found that kind of coming up to um, when, when I sort of knocked it on the head in 2016. Um, once I'd written me song, you know, about um, about kidnapping my fi- fictional paperboy, you sort of think, well, where do I actually fucking go from there? Yeah, and it was only kind of after having a couple of years off, you sort of realise, well, actually, you don't have to. It, you haven't got to go anywhere from there and make it worse. You've just got to do what you do and do it well. So if I come back and do you know, do another album in the future, it won't be trying to make it worse than the Jimmy Savile song. It'll be about just trying to craft really good comedy songs, which is sort of what I always try to do. But then you've got in the back of your mind, well, I said that on the last tour, so I've got to ramp it up a bit. Otherwise, people will just think I've gone soft. Yeah, you've now created this thing that you've got to lug around, and yeah, you become the sort of the the victim to your own success because you've, like you say, you people have come to you with the with these songs, and a lot of people will just listen to it and go, "Oh my god, 
This is <laughs> this is not musically, but lyrically, this is probably some of the worst things I've ever heard said out loud. But then you go up, people go, "This is this is that, this is it. This speaks to me. I need more." And then you're like, "I, I can't do any more." That's just, you know what I mean? It's, where do I go? Do I actually have to carry out these heinous crimes in order for you to stay, still listen to my albums? And uh, of course, there's a line there, you know? Well, I, I always thought that would probably be the best, you know, if, if I kind of ended up like Charles Manson, that would probably be like the best career move ever. Because, you know, because, you know, I'm never going to get any any mainstream publicity. So, you know, at least that would kind of get, you know, it mean a lot of, a load of new people found out about us and I could kind of, you know, while serving me time, I could, you know, re re reaping the royalties <laughs> from a whole new audience. And it's probably an untapped audience, to be fair. There's not a lot of songs, there's not a lot of songs for these, for monsters like that. I, I, I did have to, I had this guy come up um, uh, on, on my, one of my gigs in Leicester, um, you know, in, in the last couple of years of doing it and saying... Um, so he said, can you have a selfie with, with me and me mate? And I went, yeah, all right then. And he's called a picture up of his mate on his phone. And um, I'm like, told him, is that your mate? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not having, no, I'm not having a picture with him if he's not here. And he's yeah, like, right. um, he said that he's in prison. And, um, <laughs> what? you know, you're like, just out of morbid curiosity, I'm like, what's he in prison for? And he said, murder. Christ. And it just got every fucking question. It just got darker and darker. Oh. And you're like, oh. And um, he said, but he was a big fan of you, though. And you know, like, <laughs> oh my god. I know it's one of the worst things I've ever heard. Fucking hell. That's because that's thing. They don't realise that you're, even though your name's cunt and you, you sing about what you sing about. You do give a fuck, and things do affect you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I think it's when you kind of when when you take on one of these one word nicknames, you know, like Bono and Sting. Yeah. You know, and obviously I've fallen into the trap of that. Well, this is it. Yeah, you're like Kylie. <laughs> In a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> but what do you make about all this now? Because this podcast is fundamentally a mental health podcast. You know, we 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 talk about our we don't sit and talk about actual mental health. What we talk about. We tell our stories, and from that, people can take whatever they take from listening to other people. They, it makes people sort of realise that they're not alone. They go, "Oh yeah, I've been through that. I feel like I feel like that sometimes." What, what do you make of all this? This now, this now we're all having these conversations about mental health. It can it can only be a good thing, can't it? You know, talking about how you feel. Yeah. Because you know, and, and especially kind of since since lockdown, because I've got to say, it wasn't really something I've. I thought about, you know, because I've never, I, you know, I suppose like when I was maybe, maybe sort of in me, in me twenties, I went through a phase of, I just ne I never went out anywhere. And I kind of, you know, and, and that sort of lasted like four or five years. And sort of looking back, maybe it was a bit of social anxiety, but, you know, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking to fucking pin a label on on something, but, but, but you know, maybe that's what it was. But, um, I don't know, like I've, I've never sort of suffered from depression or anything, but since lockdown, you know, I, I, I started to think, well, you know, well, wellness is a fucking thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd, I'd never really thought about it, but, but wellness is a fucking thing. And if you, you know, if, if you've got like, you know, because obviously like if, if you're a comedian or a performer, you do kind of get something from social interaction and, and you know, and, and like, even if you're not, you do get something from social interaction. And so 
when that's sort of a big part of your life and it's kind of uh, and, and it's taken away you need to replace it with something because you know so like this, this is why like you know so i'll go and walk every day and you see people you know like you, you see people walking every day and and um i just think it's a big thing a big part of being being well is just getting outside and like outside of your four walls getting some breath in your lungs and uh, and, and, and stretching your legs and yeah. yeah so so that's that's what was what, what i've kind of done sort of since since lockdown's come along and yeah it has just made me think you do kind of need you know you you need you need things like that to keep yourself well and you know and also just fucking not taking on too much and you know all those things are important yeah absolutely it's that and we do need that we do need the interaction with other people and that's what's like you say it's like you say when that gets taken away we're fine it's all very well. I I don't mind being on my own. I've said this before, but I think it's because I know I've got people to go back to. I know I'm not I'm not on my own completely. Yeah. So I don't know how people. There must be people out there. Obviously, people out there that are on their own all the time, and of course that starts to mess with your head. You know, that's that's you need that interaction with others just to keep us going. I mean, yeah. When when um, I, I, so I was doing these kind of like live feeds through through. YouTube in the first lockdown and was doing that every night and um, you kind of realise that there's there's a lot of people you know in, especially in that first lockdown that were just could because none of us knew how contagious this fucking thing was mm. you know how, how um, yeah we didn't know anything about it and no one knew anything about it and we didn't know how long we were going to be stuck indoors and and so I started doing these live feeds and this little kind of community of people kind of sprung up and I think some of them had heard of us before and others were kind of new to it and and so like there's it's like a little sort of support network sprung up from it you know and they yeah. you'd sort of see them all interacting on online and got a little group and stuff you know and i think it's just it's just good to fucking connect with people you know when you're when you're feeling isolated connecting with people is just really important yeah oh absolutely absolutely this the internet i'll tell you what, i don't know how we would have functioned without it it's been a lifesaver yeah i, I mean i, I couldn't like at, first, at first, I couldn't really see because I meet up with a couple of mates, sort of you know, reg, you know, I suppose every few weeks or every month, and and sort of have have a beer and just all catch up on what we've been doing. And um, I was sort of wondering how how that was going to work doing it over Zoom because we you know done done a few kind of Zoom beers, and within five minutes, you know, you all just yeah. slip back into your old roles and it, you sort of forget you sat there at a computer. You know, and and sort of four hours later, we're all just pissed out, pissed out yeah. of our heads. Yeah, yeah, sat, yeah. Sat in our sheds on our own. <laughs> you know, but I fucking love that about it. That you know, that actually, it's, it's not it's not the medium you're connecting with people. It's, it's you know, it's the people you connect with, isn't it? And yeah, this is true. We did a drunk cast, so it was with Stu and Chris. Uh, Scroobius Pip was on it, and my missus Jade. And we were all in separate rooms and we we're all doing it. And again, like you've just said, I'm like, oh, how's this going to go? And uh, and by the end of it, we were bollocksed. And we were <laughs> laughing so much. It was fucking hysterical. And it didn't feel like we were in separate rooms. Even like I was in the bedroom. My missus is in the lounge. Scrooge was where he is. And Chris and Stu, they were where they were. And But it was like we were all in the same room. It was mad. 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you just resume your, you resume them relationships you've yeah. got previous, don't you? Yeah. I remember one night, me and my missus and my mate, we were living together, and they weren't, I was like, oh, come on, let's get on it, let's get on it. And they wouldn't have it. They weren't having it. They're like, no, we're not doing that. And I ended up, I was, I started, um, I started messaging on Facebook going, oh, these pricks won't dance with me. And started putting up what music I was playing. And then people <laughs> went, people went, oh, mate, go live, go live. And I went, all right. So I went live. And there was a load of us. And we were all chucking suggestions at each other about music and chatting. It was a lovely moment. It was really I nice. That, yeah. yeah. Um, when you were, when you first started recording, um, and, you know, were you worried about the reception that your first your first recordings were going to get? Or you just went, no, nah, I stand by these songs. I know what they're about. I know what's going on. If you don't get it, then it's on you. Do, do you know what? I, th- I think that was the attitude that I, that I always took. And when, when we were doing, you know, when me and Stu were doing Serious Problem, um, it was always, this is, this is what we do. If you don't like it, you yeah. don't have to listen to it. You know, just... yeah. You know, and, and so um, I don't know. I can't. I, I kind of think I've I've always had that attitude. Like since since I've been a teenager, is this a, this is what I do? If you don't like it, just go and fucking do something else. You know, you don't, I'm not making you listen to it. Yeah. Um. There there was a, there's been a few songs over the years that I've either um gone uh yeah got gone to play or I've played and 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 it's felt a bit edgy because it especially like in the early years of gigging it was all in it, it was all free entry gigs right. you know and you'd just be playing either in the back room of a pub or in the main bit of a pub yeah and so you'd just be there'd be people that had just kind of gone gone out for a night um you know and, and be confronted with this kind of barrage of of a filth set to an 80s synth pop backing track and um obviously not everyone when they're on a night out wants to hear that and so like it had you know i noticed quite quickly that the people that didn't like it it made them really angry right and so there was the you know there was times when i kind of ducked out of doing certain songs just because you know just for my own personal safety you know yeah and and then um other times you'd kind of do them and you know i got a bloke through a glass at us and ended up i like you know, half a dozen times, just ended up grappling on stage with someone oh that didn't like the songs. Um, and see, it, it sort of, that happened sort of, you know, it maybe only happened once every tour, but when you did the next tour, that's what you'd remember from the last tour. Yeah. And, you know, because ultimately, I don't want to spend a gig fighting with someone on stage. What You know, what I'd like is to be, you know, acclaimed and then, Carried aloft on everyone's shoulders, <laughs> you know. Of course, that's what we all want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, you know, why else would you start doing it? But um, but yeah, you know, there's a couple of times when you just end up grappling with people. And I remember uh, one um, one instance in uh, Cardiff. Um, I had this I had this song called "Wanking Over a Pornographic Polaroid" of an ex-girlfriend who died. Right. And um, I, in it was kind of this wanking and crying mime where I'd just go. And have this kind of foam foam penis, you know, that I sort of masturbate while going along to the backing tracks. Right. And um, I could see, so that that happened kind of three times in the choruses. And in the bits in between, I could see this woman just getting herself more and more angry. Mm. And um, and uh, then just before the last chorus, she's just made a break for the stage, and she's jumped at me, and like where she's drunk. She's just like thrown half a pint down my leg and then just stacked it. And then she's got up and tried to rip me. And so I managed to kind of just get her onto the floor 
and I just sat on her. And but like being a consummate professional, I finished the song. Right. Just sat on, just sat on her back, wanking and crying. And she was, she was just, just made her more angry. She was, fucking, oh my God. she was fucking livid. But um, yeah, that that was one of that was one of the nicer nicer stories, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, just you know, keeping an eye out for potential assailants. Just it, it isn't conducive to enjoying a gig, you know. And these early gigs, were you were, people wouldn't have, they wouldn't really have gone there to specifically see you no i mean but 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 it was kind of that was the case maybe you know for for the first sort of seven or eight years is there was a lot of um a lot of pubs booked us um and so you'd kind of get a hardcore of people who knew exactly what to expect uh who'd seen you a couple of times and they'd be looking around at because this was a spot for the people that come and saw us repeated times it was a sport for them to look around and see uh, other people's reactions who hadn't seen us before. Yeah. And um, so you'd have a mix of people that, are, you know, the hardcore people that liked you, the people that had, uh, had seen the posters and what have you and, and thought, oh, I'll give that a go. And then other people that were just in there for a drink. And so, you know, when it went really well, you'd feel like you'd won everyone over. Mm. But then when it went, you know, it would only take one or two people, you know, um, Shouting and shouting and hollering, or coming up and, and arguing with you while in between songs and stuff, just to kill the kill the vibe. Because yeah. you know, I've, I've I've always you know I've always had a bit of a, a red mist kind of temper that I think I get right. <laughs> that I get from my dad. And so you're trying to kind of you know because the whole kind of thing on stage was I had a very cheeky, affable demeanour. Um, you know, because I always thought you you could kind of get away with saying more. If you kind of deliver it like a kids' TV presenter, you know, like yeah. the jazz hands and kind of <laughs> it's okay, everyone, you know. Uh, but um, then when when you kind of end up end up grappling with someone, obviously, you know, the human fight or flight thing kicks in. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and you're having to then carry on the gig and sing a song called "Wank the Dog" with the red mist, yeah. which is very, it's very hard to do. You can't just shrug it off and get on with what you were doing you're, you're all out of sync and you're all like you say you're angry as well you want to just built someone yeah and then, <laughs> yeah. then you can't you've got to be all did 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 again <laughs> yeah I know yeah which is hard work but you're so did you have a good relationship with your with your parents um yeah yeah so I mean this this was a, this was the kind of um, my mum and dad were, were sort of 21 when they had us so they were always quite young and cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I always got on well, got on well with me mum and dad, and um, they were pretty, um, pretty easy going really. And yeah, my dad, my dad was quite a, quite a strong character. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose my mum was as well, like you know, quite sort of ind- independent minded. And I think that kind of rubbed off on me a bit because you're definitely walking your own path. There's no, there's no one doing what you're doing. That that was a weird. That was a weird thing. Kind of when I started gigging around the country. I thought I was going to find lots of people doing what I was doing. And then you realise like, <laughs> realise quite quickly there, there weren't, you know, and, no. and, and like that was, a, that was actually, actually a real surprise. Cause I've always had this, when you have an idea, you think, Oh fuck, I've got to get that down quickly before someone else thinks about it. And then like, you know, after about 10 years of doing it, you're like, just no one else wants to write songs about the bloke from the Lost Prophets, you know. No, I can. It doesn't matter if I do it this week or next week. No one else is going to do it in the interim period because no one else fucking wants to. No, not at all. We um, so it was a it was a playlist we had on Spotify the other week. I'm doing this. I've got this day job. That I'm working with these lovely lads, and Lost Prophets came on, 
and we all we we were kind of busy doing what we were doing. And then we kind of we suddenly realised what was happening, and we all went, "Oh fuck!" And we switched it off. And there was a moment silence where we just sort of stood there, just, "What have we done?" <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we just—it was like we'd sullied ourselves with that with that stuff. Um, well, yeah, but it was the yeah. fact that it was on your playlist with Rolf Harris and Gary Glitter. That was. <laughs> yeah. It was putting nonce into into Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I had um, uh, uh, I went with my uh, my little nephew. To see, you know, like one of these Father Christmas experiences. Yeah. And um, while we're all waiting there, like, you know, got a live reindeer and like a little fucking pony and what have you uh, for you to stroke. And uh, Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Christmas <laughs> has come on. This was only like three years ago. Yeah. And you're like, wow. I mean, you know, I, I like the fact that Christmas is all about forgiving. And so there's a nonce amnesty. <laughs> I think what it is, is that people aren't actually listening. There's the people that work there don't want to be there. They're not listening. They're, they've tuned out years ago. So you're wandering, I remember wandering around Asda and you've got a Gary Glitter blaring out. And you're like, they're not, they've just gone, right, it's Christmas. Let's just put this fucking playlist back on. It's probably on a CD somewhere. They just go, oh, just press play on that. No one cares. Yeah. And they, yeah. And that's what it is. They're not even listening to it anymore. They don't even realise. No, and but it's it, nice yeah. that, you know, it's nice in the season of goodwill that uh, Gary gets a few royalties his way. Like, you know, he's done a lot of wrong, admittedly, but it worked like, but, you know, you got to feel sorry for, is it Mike Leander, the bloke who co-wrote all the songs with him? Yeah. You know, he's fucking mate, you know, because Rock and Roll Christmas, that was one of them ones, wasn't it, that was on all the Christmas playlists. Yeah. So every year, every year he'd get his royalty check and then like, all of a sudden one year, He's only, you know, he's only getting 30p from South Hockington Garden Centre. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I do feel, that's it. It's like with the Lost Profits boys. I feel for them because they weren't doing what that horrible cunt did. But no. now they're all fucked and now they've actually lost profits. It's not <laughs> on, is it? No, no. And all they did, you know, at worst, was turn the blind eye to it. I reckon they were more like, Oh, that's just Ian. Don't worry about him. Is that what you think? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, it's funny when I said that. I, I've got, I've got cunt coming on, cunt on the gang, and uh, a couple of mates went. And now you're gonna, what are you gonna do with that? I mean, oh, we'll find out what we say first. <laughs> yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll have a chat. Yeah, we'll go back, we'll listen to it, and then we'll scrap it. And then <laughs> we'll have it as a limited edition vinyl. <laughs> Um, but that's it. It's just gallows humour, isn't it? You know, we've lots of there's people I know that have ex, uh, experienced some awful stuff, but the way they cope with it is by by taking the piss out of it. I remember doing some gigs for the troops coming back from Afghanistan, and they'd all been they'd been wounded, blown up, and and it was awful. Um, but I remember talking to them before we did the gig, and so they were saying some horrendous things to each other. You know, they were like, "Oh yeah, you think you got it bad? Like you've still got, you've still got your arms and legs." That's when they were taking the piss out of each other. But but that's that's a that's a you know that is in us as humans. That's how we fucking cope in bleak times, you know. And and you know, I think when when you think about you know the the Jimmy Savile stuff and the Watkins stuff, it's so fucking bleak. Yeah. So what do you do? Just sweep it under the carpet? Like you got you got to find you got to find a route to humour. I think because. You know, it's that fucking bleak, and we all know it's bleak. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not out there saying, oh, it's really funny what Jim, Jimmy said, because clearly, it's, clearly, it's, oh, although I have to say that 
did, did you see the documentary yeah. where the lady said he walked in her house, dropped his trousers and said, how's about that then? <laughs> like, I'm not saying it was funny, but, you no. know, out of all of it, that was the funniest bit. <laughs> but but no, no, it's obviously fucking dreadful. But what, what you're going to do, it, it's, it's happened. You can't change it. You know, all, all you can do is, and I think by, by not talking about it, you, you know, you there's more likelihood for something like that to happen again. But you can't tell me like now with all the publicity and stuff surrounding the Jimmy Savile thing that that's ever going to happen again at the BBC and, you know, yeah. and all those people in power will be turned a blind eye and going, oh, that's just Jimmy. And, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the, world's, the world's moved on. And because he sat out in the open, you know, yeah. there, there's more scrutiny towards these things and that can only be a good thing, you know, and I'd like to take a lot of the credit for that. I think rightly so. It, 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 squarely in your lap. You, you're, you, <laughs> That's you were, what Jimmy said. <laughs> you're a pioneer again. See, look, you don't even realise inadvertently you've been changing lives. Like you've said, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but but the one, what we how we can cope with it, this horrendous thing, is by taking the piss out of it. Yeah, exactly, because it takes the power out of it. You know, yeah, it's awful that it happened. So I, I've got I used to do some stuff on stage about uh, paedophiles, about the fact that there was a lot of them around when I was a kid. And there was someone I was with that had had a, a really horrible experience when they were a kid, and I and I spoke to them about it. Like they'd watched me do it loads, and I said, "What do you think about it?" And they went, "No, no, it's fine. I'm not offended by it at all, because you're not. I wasn't bigging up paedophiles." Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, because you, no one's going to stand there on stage and say, "Any, any brilliant paedophiles no. ruining kids' childhood?" Yeah. Yes. No. No. Of course not. Yeah. So. I think the idea of a grown man finding kids sexy yeah. is is just so fucking bizarre that uh, if you yeah. can't find something funny in it, you know, it, it's, it's just, yeah, it's bizarre, bizarre and fucking bleak. So, yeah, but, but yeah. I think people miss that sometimes, listening to your stuff. If they're taking it at face value and they go, oh, how can you, how can you be doing this? I'm definitely going to quote you, Rich, on my posters saying uh, a little too subtle. <laughs> Rich yeah. Wilson. Yeah. It's too nuanced. If blinking, you'll miss it. <laughs> but that's why I wanted to get you on and have a chat with you. Oh, cheers! Just, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about the man behind the music. Oh, cheers, Rich. Yeah. What's plus? What's happening next? Uh, you got so this. You got the bid for number one. Is that is that you doing that? Or is that someone else who's taking it? No, it was it was someone because I, I did a couple of um, uh, chart campaigns back. Uh, you know, sort of 10 years ago, did one for me song, um, Use My Arsehole as a Cunt, and yeah. then one to coincide with the wedding of William and Kate, uh, with my song Fuck Sticks, like did a royal wedding version of it. And they right. finished up at um, Use My Arsehole as a Cunt, got a number 66, and Fuck Sticks got a number 63. But it was just me, you know, just putting, you know, putting messages up on my Facebook from my bedroom, you know, and like, so getting the top 75 was a big, you know, a big it's thing. Massive. This was my my two ambitions as as a kid was to write a sitcom and and have a one it wonder, and um you know and I've I've realised neither of them. But you know getting into the top seventy five is in the Brit uh, the Guinness Book of British or the Virgin Book of British hit singles. You know the yeah. listings in there. So you know I said yes 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 good. So um yeah it was just um so I did this did this punk album called uh, Cunts Punk In Your Face and we, we were just about to kind of start sorting some gigs out and that and then lockdown happened and um, one of the songs on there was um, obviously this Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt and um, where it was just kind of up on Spotify 
someone just sent us a link and said, here, look at this. And Charlie Brooker had put um, Christmas number one yeah. uh, on his Twitter and, and a link to Boris Johnson's fucking cunt and Ginger from the Wild Arts and Miles Hunt from the Wonder Stuff and then the, um, the singer from Arab Strap and a couple of other people, yeah. you know, um, uh, got a ball with it. And, you know, you think, do you know what? Might as well just fucking, might as well just get on board with this and give it a go for, for no for no other reason other than, you know, and this was the same reason why I did the other the other chart attempts. Like, what would it be like if fucking Reggie Yates had to read out "Use My Arsehole as a Cunt," <laughs> you know? And and I just think Boris Johnson is such a cunt. Yeah. Like, but I don't think anyone's ever told him. I don't think he knows. So <laughs> I just like the idea of him, you know, and uh, and and his fiance, and you know, and and his and his eighteen kids all sat around. Uh, in their various homes, listening to the Christmas charts, you know, and then all of a sudden this song pops, you know, clearly it's not going to fucking get played on the radio, but they'll have to mention it. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to know, I want to know how, you know, how they're going to deal with it. You know, how, how are you going to announce that? Are you just going to go, and at number 38, and at number 37, do you, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 I just yeah, want to yeah. be like, you can't just fuck it, he's a cunt, and you can't gloss over it. No. So, Let's just let him know. That's, yeah. that's, that's the whole point behind doing it because you don't make loads of money doing these things because, you know, uh, by the time, you know, your, your distributors and what have you have taken their, taken their cut of it and you paid the people to make the videos and all these kind of things, um, you, you never make, make loads of money, you know, it's, it, and the time you put into it, you know, if it, like the previous two campaigns, the time I put into it and, and, um, and all the expenses mean that by the time you get out of it, you have a few hundred quid. Which is, you know, is a bit of a drink, and 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 that's it, really. Yeah. But it's just about. This is the way I've always looked at things. You might as well fucking do it because if you don't do it, you sort of sit, you know, you end up thinking, oh, I wish I'd done that. Yeah. And so I just thought, you know, thought, oh, fuck it. Do you know what? Just just give it a go. It might come to nothing. If people if people like it, they're going to buy it. If they don't like it then basically they're complicit in everything Boris Johnson has done and they're going to have to accept some responsibility for the 65,000 people that have died. Yeah. But if you don't feel like that, just buy it. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. The trouble is he's such a cunt, he'll probably get on board with it. I don't know, what he'll do is he'll just say, um, yeah, I've heard that and I think we all just need to move on from it. He's got a way of getting away with things, hasn't he? Like, I, don't yeah. know how, I don't know how he fucking does it, you know, but he just says, I think we all just need to move on. And then all of a sudden, you've all just moved on. You're like, well, but hold on. Yeah. But, but, but your crony's got all the fucking conscience. Oh, right. Oh, we moved on from that. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's, well, it's all, he smashed it on over. I got news for you. And that's why he's where he is. But he's just got, like you say, he's got his air about him. He's, he just has this, he's just, oh, it's just this bumbling idiot. And you go, no, mate, you've really fucked up. Yeah, but he's he, a clever fucking construct, that bumbling idiot, because underneath it's something really fucking sinister. Yeah, yeah. He's worse than Watkins in a lot of ways. Fuck me. <laughs> he's right up there. And all this, oh, yeah, we can, we can, we can, everyone can unlock what they're doing for Christmas. You go, well, what about Eid? What about Diwali when you shut everything down then? I mean, he's in a, he's in a fairly thankless position in that, like, you know, he's sort of damned if he doesn't, damned if he don't. So I'm very much of the opinion, like, he's, he's been such a cunt. Let's just kick him when he's down. Right. You know, and, uh, and when he's down, let's just keep on kicking him. Well, someone said to me the other day, I was doing something, and I went, oh, Boris, is a fucking wanker. And they, went, and they whispered in my ear, they go, you're going to alienate a lot of the people that listen to what you're doing. And I'm like, but he is a wanker, though. No, 
no, this is, this is the thing. Is I've got a couple of couple of mates who say he's a. I think he's done a, you know, he's done as good a job as anyone could have done under very difficult circumstances. Yeah, you're like right. So, but say other people would have struggled. You know, you know, because it's an unusual fucking time, isn't it? You know, like we've never known anything like it. And yeah, you know, it must be hard to know what the fucking hell to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still been turned a blind eye to his ministers, fucking you know, um, handing out contracts to their mates. And, like, it's just so fucking, it's just so fucking dodgy, you know. And, and and it's, it's you know, it's, it, but there's a way of burying bad news when something fucking terrible's going on, isn't there? And I think that's what's happened all the way through this, is, well, don't look at that, don't look at that, look at this, you know, something really fucking terrible going on. And so, yeah. you know, it's like they make, hey, well, the sun is behind a cloud, if that's a thing. I mean, I, I don't like talking about politics a lot because I've already no. alienated half of my fucking uh, <laughs> half of my support. But but um, the the problem is is we're handed these two choices, and it's like you know right. So you know, and we're constantly told, but if you don't vote for them, they'll get in. So anything new or different is automatically you know, and also the system is set up just just for it to be conserv you know yeah. conservative usually. And Labour sometimes, and there's never going to be anything different. And the only people that can change the system are the people that are fucking reaping all the benefits from the system. And they're, they're not going to be turkeys voting for Christmas. The system's never going to fucking change. Like, and that's the thing that I find really, really fucking disheartening. Yeah, we're stuck with the Tories, and we're and we're stuck with Labour. And then you know when Labour get in, they just become more. They have to become more like the Tories to get in. Yeah, and. You know, so yeah. who do you, you fucking you know? It's like voting for the voting for the difference between a shit sandwich and spunk on chips. Like yeah. I don't want either of them. That's true, isn't it? I give a fuck about people. I do all people, and it it breaks my heart that we still live in a world where they just they want to split us down the middle and go, you're either this or you're that. But that's how it works, and it is yeah. divide and conquer. Yeah, and and you know, and and especially kind of since you know since social media and since the internet became a thing arguments are just more extreme and they're more black and white aren't they because you have to if someone else is taking that view you have to kind of take the exact opposing view and the idea that you can meet in the middle seen as a weakness so yeah it's a bleak fucking vision of the future i know there's no gray area of anybody no but uh, but you know life ain't really like that is it there's there's massive fucking gray areas in yeah. everything but but it's like we're forced to forced to choose between black and white all the time yeah yeah and there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. And that's why I wanted to have you on and talk to you. And this has been lovely. Thank you for coming on. Now, my pleasure. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, Rich. Insane in the membrane. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production. <laughs> 